Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit of Pew podcast. So glad you chose to join us again this week for our adult Bible study. Taught live in a class, and then I take the recording and put it on here in the podcast for you to listen along and, and study books of the Bible with us. And we're in 1 John, we're journeying through that. We're in chapter 2, we're going to finish it up this week. We're coming off some familiar verses last week where it says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We're coming off of that and some more. We, we covered several verses last week. But this week we're going to get back into the theme of abiding. We're going to get back into conversation concerning false teachers and how that fellowship protects us from false teachers. And so thanks for being a part of the podcast. If there's any way that I can be a help to you or assistance to you, please email me, bradmcclure31 at gmail.com. Send me a message. I'd love to be a help to you. Also sign up for the newsletter at bradmcclure.org and sign up and get that each Monday. So without further ado, here is this week's Adult Bible Study. All right, let's go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, I think Matthew taught for you guys last week while I was out. And uh, if you happen to miss any of these, and you, you, if you want to go back ever and, and listen, and you miss some, I've told, I'm going to tell the Moors this, you can always go to my podcast, which is not necessarily related to the church, but I do put all of these on there. It's Pulpit to Pew Podcast, and you can, and you can catch up if you've missed a lesson and you want to. But, and I did one last week, even though I wasn't here. I still did one last week and put it on there. But 1 John chapter number 2, we left off last week, or they were supposed to leave off at verse 17, and so now we are on verse 18. And in this whole study, we've been dealing with the theme of fellowship. He is encouraging this second and third generation Christians. John's the last apostle left. He's encouraging these second, third generation Christians that are struggling right now because there have been, and this will come up, remember some false teachers within the church that have now left the church, but even on the outside, they're causing problems within the church. And these false teachers, because anyone remember, real quick by way of review, can anyone remember some of the things that these false teachers were saying or the main subject that they were saying? Does anyone remember? Well, I know you're coming off Matthew's teaching, so that's tough. Because you guys would remember if I said it last week, right? I'm sure you would. I'm kidding. No, the, the thing they were struggling with is, remember, these false teachers had left and said, well, Jesus wasn't really God. And, or or they, then they would say, well, there was some. There was different. It was the Gnostics. Gnostics and Gnosticism was their, their uh, kind of belief system. There's the Docetics, which was one, and there was they believed that Jesus was not God, that either the Spirit came upon this man named Jesus and then left right before the crucifixion because he couldn't endure suffering, or that he just never was Jesus. So there was this, he never was the Messiah. There was these false teachings that were going on. And it led to, and I said in, very week, in week one, two different ways of going. There was licentiousness, which was basically, hey, do whatever you want. Just do whatever you want because your spirit is good, the body's evil, so just do whatever you want. Live however you want. The other side 
which was, a, uh, I'm going to say it wrong, but I'm just going to, for the sake of sounding, I should just sound confident and say the word, but it's like a synthesism, but I was probably saying that wrong. They said, though, the, the spirit is bad, the spirit is good, the body's bad, and so they would be, like the Buddhists, they would discipline the body because it's bad. They would, they would be very strict and very the other opposite of, of living loose and however you want. So there was this false teaching that was in the background of these new believers. Then you have the churches that John was writing to that he had labored with that they were, he was trying to write to these to, to encourage them because they were struggling saying, well, was Jesus really the, the Messiah? Because remember, they didn't see him. John did. So in those opening verses, John said, hey, we have seen Jesus. We handled Jesus. We listened to Jesus. We, I know he is the Messiah and don't lose the faith. And so that's the reason I, I back up to that and that kind of that week one review is because he's going to talk again a little bit at the beginning about these false teachers when we get into verse 18. Last week we ended on the familiar passages, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, and talking about the world system. But now look at what he says in verse 18. He says, little children. He's not talking to kids in a kid's class in some church. He's, it's a term of an older man. Kind of like Dan Moon over here, all right? Oh, sorry, Dan. Sorry, Dan. No, 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 no. An older man. I kid with him all the time. An older man that's now writing to a next generation, this younger generation. It's a, so it's a term he would use. And he says, little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. We've been talking about the subject of fellowship with God, and today we're going to see how that fellowship with God protects us from false teaching. And it begins with an interesting word that always gets people's attention, talking about Antichrist. And he says that to these younger believers, he said, you've heard about Antichrist. And if I said that, probably this whole room has heard that term, Antichrist. His subject, though, is not going to be about Antichrist. But he's just telling them, you've heard about Antichrist. There's actually many Antichrists out there right now. Many people that are against Christ. These false teachers are who he's referring to that are against Christ. Now, he referenced the last time and he referenced Antichrist. The last time really began when Jesus first came. You're going to hear Paul talked about the last days. John's talking about the last days. Some of us may say, hey, it's been almost 2,000 years and we're nothing's happened well it's, it's we're still in the last days we really are we're in those last times and eventually at some point antichrist will come antichrist is a man who will appear on the earth in the end times after the rapture of the church he's going to gain worldwide political and religious power think about it right now if the rapture was going to occur right now antichrist is already born he's already probably middle aged so He's already going to be on the earth when the rapture occurs. So, because he's going to have to, you're not going to see a baby uh, rally the whole world around everybody, right? So, if the rapture occurs, boom, we're gone. Antichrist will eventually make his political and religious power onto the scene in our one world government. He's going to be a false messiah. He's not the focus of this passage, but you could study in Daniel, Second Thessalonians, Revelation 13, 17, some other passages that will talk about Antichrist. It's not the subject of our conversation today. And it's nothing that you have to worry about. 
I get a lot of questions to me, and it's un, it's okay. I love to answer questions, but a lot of people scared of two things: Antichrist and the number six six six. All right, they're scared of those two things. Nicole's scared of six six six. I can tell by her eyes. No, I'm just kidding. There was a lady in the church that we were just at that uh, she's passed. She was a she was a godly lady, Ruth Cuck, but she lived she lived in house number six six six. And she lived in, I don't remember what the name of the road, now High Street, 666 High Street is where she lived. And at one time, she even, I remember asked the pastor, should I move? I mean, if I'm living in 666, it's okay. You're not in the tribulation period right now. So you can, you can, 666 is not anything that you're identifying with. You're not taking the mark of the beast if you have it. But Antichrist is going to be a part of all of that in the end times, which is a fun study another time. But his focus wasn't that. He just said, you've heard of that. You've heard of Antichrist. He says, but there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. Because in the last days, there will be many false teachers. And do we not have many false teachers today? We'll talk about a few here in a little bit. I'm going to read a few more verses before I kind of dive into this. He says this, verse 19, they went out from us. So these false teachers that were in this church back then, they went out from us. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So there were these people, a part of that church. And they they did not believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And eventually, and this is how it should happen, it's eventually the false teachers left. They weren't going to be, they, they, they weren't comfortable with the proper preaching of God's word. And you know, the same thing in a good church. It's kind of like a splinter. I got a splinter the other day. And if you can't get a splinter out, is it true? I may be wrong. We have some, med- maybe some medical people. In. Is it true that your body will eventually push that splinter out? I thought I've heard that before. I could have just been dreaming it. I have no idea, but it will. All right. You can testify. All right. So if you, I did, I was thankfully able to get my splinter out. But uh, if not, I think your body eventually realizes, hey, you're not supposed to be here, and it will just eventually push it out. Same thing kind of happens in a Bible preaching church. If there's false teachers in a Bible preaching church, and the and the leadership continues just to preach the Bible, you're going to find that they are all of a sudden like, I'm going to leave. I'm, I don't want to be here under this doctrine, under this teaching. And so that's kind of what happened here. At least some of these left, and now they're putting pressure back on that church that, with their doctrine. But he says they left because they're, they're not of us. And I want to get into some of the other verses for a second. But some of the positions that they took, they, de- they departed doctrinally from the position of the church on the person of Jesus Christ. Now, that's an important doctrine, is it not? I don't know if you've ever sat through a Bible doctrines class uh, whether I've done it at college a couple times, but whether it be at college or whether it be in a, in a church setting, there's some key doctrines. And the doctrine of Jesus Christ is a key doctrine. If we deny Jesus Christ, you're not a child of God. You're not a believer. That is foundational, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now you may ask, you may say, well, do we have anybody really today, any religions today that deny Jesus Christ? Yes. Some of them pretty familiar to you. Jehovah's Witness, familiar with Jehovah's Witness. What's interesting about these doctrines is I was even doing a quick recap, just remember, just re, reviewing a little bit, reminding myself about some of these. A lot of these all started 
from something that they were uncomfortable with with actual Bible preaching. For instance, in Jehovah's Witness, if I remember right, they, they started because someone, the, the originator of that, was afraid of hell. Didn't like the, he grew up in a traditional evangelical pre, Bible preaching church, didn't like the subject of hell. Started his own thing that became bigger and bigger and bigger. Jehovah's Witness where it says there is no hell. You just cease to exist. And Jesus is a creative being. He is not God. He, is, he, he was not, did not die for our sins. And then now we have the Jehovah's Witness today. Joseph Smith, Mormonism. Joseph Smith grew up in a Bible preaching church. Didn't like some of the things that he heard. Got upset, left, started, said he had a vision from uh, Morakai. I can't remember the name of the person that he said he had a vision from. This angel came down, gave him these golden tablets. And then he started Mormonism. Ironically, when he started that, Jesus no longer was God. Now, Mormonisms have somewhat split a little bit, just like you see in other churches. And there are some line that try to say that they believe in the Trinity, that Jesus Christ is God. But the Latter-day Saints do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. We see Mormonism today in our society. We see Jehovah's Witness. You don't see too much of this next one in uh, Cloverdale, Indiana, Scientology. Now, maybe you do, but I don't see Scientology. Who is a famous Scientologist? Anybody remember? You guys watch way too much TV, all right? Look at you. I busted you. No, I'm just kidding. Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise in Scientology was, uh, I don't know if he's still in it, but uh, what's that? Did he bail? Well, I think there was some money problems, wasn't there in there, and some scandals, which kind of goes with false teaching. But uh, Scientology is one. Oneness Pentecostals, you may hear that term every once in a while. Not Pentecostals in general. Pentecostals kind of broke off from the Baptists in the 1800s at the Keswick um, revival meetings that used to take place in England, and they broke off. But there's the oneness Pentecostals that uh, do not believe that Jesus Christ is God. There's probably more, but it, but denying that Jesus Christ is God is a foundational red flag that that is false teachers right there. And that's what was going on in this early church. And I don't want to give it too much I, because John talked about it. I, I do want to mention that. But this was some of what was going on, and we can see that today. Right? We, I've talked with not a Scientologist. I cannot say I've talked to one of them. Uh, but these others I've ran into through door-to-door -door or through just uh, work or things like that. You, you may have some conversations with them, but it's always important to get to Jesus Christ as fast as you can in any conversation. Just run to Jesus and see what, everybody, what they believe. What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that he was... Born of a virgin, do you believe that he died for our sins, that he, he took our place, that he is God? I mean, you run to that real quick, and you're going to start to filter out the false teachers. So let's read down through here a few texts. We're going to come back to verse 20, but I'll read it. He says, But ye have an unction, or an anointing, from the Holy One. You see the capital letters there for holy and one. Who do you think he's talking about? The Holy Spirit. Very good. I heard everybody say it. Very good. I knew you... So the Holy One, and ye know all things. I'll come back to that. Now verse 21. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. He said, I'm writing to you not because you don't know the truth. You're not brand new at this. You guys understand the truth. But right now, it's, it's, when it's being attacked, you start to question everything. Some people more than others. Some people, when they're being attacked, they just... They just kind of dig in their heels and they say, I'm not budging. But sometimes 
When people attack you, you start to question things and start to wonder. That's what this church was doing. So he says, I'm not writing this because you don't know it. You do know it. Verse 22, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. So he's basically saying the same thing, obviously, or I'm saying the same thing that he's been saying, is that if you deny Jesus Christ, you are a liar, you are an Antichrist, small letter A, you are a false teacher if you deny Jesus Christ. Does that mean that we are unkind to a Jehovah's Witness if we talk to him? I don't think so. I don't think you have to be unkind to him. I don't think I, I I don't believe, and I think when we get to Second John or Third John, we're going to talk about this. I don't think you need to have them into your house and let them discuss Bible with you necessarily. I think Second or Third John will talk about that, and we'll get to that. But I do think you're kind to them, and if you're able to share the gospel with them, I, you do. But they don't like it. Trust me, I got into boy, I got into a battle one time with one of them. But not it was over someone had gotten saved, and they used to be a part of Jehovah's Witness, and they got aggressive with that person. And uh, upset with that person. And uh, so then I was trying to disciple that person or not. And then that person, they were getting mad and coming to their house and driving by. And then they said some things to me. Um, it was interesting, but it was a fun time. But I was just like, hey, this is the gospel. So sorry. Um, sadly, that person's no longer in church. But, uh, but they were aggressive with them. And they can be. But how do we guard against false teachers? That's where I wanted to kind of focus because. You, if you, I work in a bank now. In a bank, they say that if you handle actual money, which I don't, I don't deal in that part, but if you handle the actual money and you're trained on what it actually looks like, that you, when you see something that's a false or a fake or a counterfeit, you're going to know it immediately because you handle the actual stuff so much and you're trained in that so much. If you see counterfeit, you just know it. And so I could try to point out all of the different false teachers. So we're like, okay, hold on. He said Jehovah's Witness, bad. Okay, there. I mean, I don't, but I don't, I don't think that's the best approach. The best approach is what we're going to talk about. Just abide in Christ. If you're abiding in Christ and someone, com someone comes up to me right now and says, hey, you know what? Jesus is not really God. I'm not going to be here like, oh, man, I don't know. Because... I'm trying to walk in Christ. I'm trying to be grounded in this word. I'm trying to abide in him. And so I'm going to be able to say to that person, I'm actually going to unbutton this if he does. And then I'm going to say, let's have a conversation. And we're going to have a conversation about it. So let's see what John said to this church, because this is where it's important. Not my thinking. Now, verse 24, he says, let that therefore abide in you. Now that word abide is coming up four times today. One of my favorite words from John 15 that I'll come back to and maybe let you guys explain it to me again. But he says, let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you. Same Greek word. That's the word abide again. So shall so abide in you or remain in you. Ye shall also continue. Same Greek word. If I remember right, abide again in the son and, and in the father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you. Now that's not a verse for you guys to all get up and say, what are we doing here, all right? 
If we don't need anybody to teach us, just get up and get out of here. No, he's not necessarily saying that. Because you remember in Ephesians, he says he gives some pastors and teachers. And so he's not saying you don't need to sit underneath teaching. He's just saying it's not impossible for you to learn on your own. You don't need me to teach you in the sense that I'm your only hope. Pastor, when he preaches in a little bit, is not the only hope that we have to learn. Remember, Catholicism used to say, not as much now, they'd say, you don't need a Bible. We'll teach you what the Bible says. That's dangerous. If I said, don't read your Bible, I'll just, just trust whatever I say. I will teach you. Then I could make, I could teach you that the Bible says that you need to bring me chocolate chip cookies every Sunday. And if I said, it's right here in the Bible and I read it and you don't ever have a Bible to prove it. Then you're bringing me chocolate chip cookies every Sunday thinking you're, which it is actually in the Hebrew. You, it is in there that you should do that. But, but he says, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie. And even as it is taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now little children abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Now, let's. how can we guard against false teachers? I love when he talks about abiding. The answer is abiding, but there's some areas he told us to abide in. He told us in that first verse, he says, let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. What is he talking about? He said, you've heard from the beginning, the beginning of their, when they were saved, the beginning of when they heard about Jesus Christ, when they, when they bowed their head and admitted of their sin and realized that Jesus was, was, was God who died for them and was buried and rose again. That is what they heard from the beginning that changed their life. The joy and the, the only thing that's robbing him of that joy now is these false teachers coming in and starting to say, hey, that wasn't real. That didn't really happen to you. That really wasn't true. All of a sudden now they're questioning this. They're, they're, they're hesitant on this. And he's saying, no, abide in the truth that you've heard from the beginning. So what is he saying by that? He's basically saying this, abide in God's word. Because the things that they heard from the beginning, and he says it twice there, was referring to the teachings about Jesus and the apostles' doctrine. You remember in Acts chapter 2, it says, and they continued daily in the apostles' doctrine. See, what they were learning back then was considered the apostles' doctrine. Today, we refer to it as the Bible. And so he was telling them to abide. The word abide, remember, remains, remains <laughs> I cannot talk right now. I'm getting too excited. The word abide means to remain, to remain steadfast, to be connected to the word of God. And so you and I must daily be in the word of God. We teach this all the time. We emphasize this all the time. But this book right here is your guard. It's, it's God's love letter to you. It protects you. It guards you. It keeps you grounded and rooted and you're, when you abide in the word of God, it not only changes your life and your relationship with God, but it protects you against these false teachers that he says in here that they're trying to seduce you. Now, you remember the abiding in John 15? This is a common phrase. And I used the illustration before. What did I use the illustration of before? You remember a vacuum one time? I've used that. I've used a, uh, I think I brought a blow dryer in one time. You know, I don't use that too often, but uh, I brought one in. And, and I talked about how abiding, I, I know it's repetitive, but repetitive is part of learning. But I said, 
let's just say that blow dryer, for instance, that blow dryer is doing no good. I think we have one by Con Air or Mariah does or something. Mariah has one. I think Con is Con Air a, a thing? How does a bald guy know that? But I just saw it on a straightener yesterday. So con air. That blow dryer, if I'm just taking around Aaron's hair, I'm using Aaron again because my brother Lonnie's up front, and I'm just trying, I'm just, and it's not plugged in. And I'm just going like this to him, and you guys are watching me, and I'm kind of going like this, and it's not plugged in. You guys are going to be like, this guy's got a problem. <laughs> and I'm like, man, these con airs are terrible. I'm, and the con air, and I'm just trashing con air as I not have it plugged in. And I'm just going around his hair. And I'm like, these con airs, I'm not giving glory. I'm actually bashing con air. And I'm saying it's not working. And every one of you are going, hey, why don't you just, can I use the word? Why don't you just abide in the plug-in? If you abide in the plug-in, con air is going to be look pretty good. And so I'm like, oh, okay. So I plug it in and power kicks on and Aaron's glasses go flying. And it's working at that point. <clears throat> now I say, hey, these con airs are pretty nice. I give glory to con air. You know, when you and I are not abiding in Jesus Christ, we're just flopping around life. We're not, we're not fulfilling our purpose. And all of a sudden, we're like, well, this God, he, he doesn't answer my prayers. It's not God's fault. You're not abiding in Him. You know what? And, and outsiders are looking and saying, boy, that person's always grumpy, and they're always in a bad mood. They're always worrying themselves to death, and they're not glorifying our God. Why? They're not going to say he's not abiding, but the truth of the matter is we're not abiding in Christ. Because when you're abiding in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit is part of your life. When you're abiding in Christ, you've got the, the sweet spirit, a gentle spirit. Uh, you, you're, 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 you're seeing answers to prayer. You've got the power of God on your life. And so people are like, wow. And they want to give you the credit. What do we do? We say, no, it's God. I'm not doing anything. And the key, the secret to the whole Christian life is abiding in Jesus Christ. That's it. And so he says to them, you got to abide. He says, let us therefore abide. Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. So let the word that you've heard from the beginning abide in you. So I would say this to you. Let the word of God abide in you. You want to grow in your faith and you want to to have some understanding and you want to feel, uh, I use the word feel, even though I'm hesitant to use that word, but I'm going to use it on purpose. Do you want to feel that relationship with God that so many people say, I just don't feel it. Well, you just don't feel it because many times you're not abiding in Jesus Christ. You haven't lost your salvation. You can't lose your salvation. You're just not abiding. You can't help but feel the power of that blow dryer when you plug it in and you turn it on. You can't help but feel it. And so many of us are wandering through our Christian lives saying, I just don't see answer to prayer. I just don't. The problem is we're not abiding. We're living in sin. And we're not depending upon him. So when we abide in the word of God, the teachings of Jesus, the apostles' doctrine, so get into the word of God, study the word of God, and then when, you, when a false teacher tries to whisper in your ear, you're going to say, nope, that's not true. I know the Bible. I'm reading the Bible. I'm studying the Bible. And don't... This is something I'm passionate about, and I'm trying to figure out in this stage of my life how to, through the podcast and other things, how to best utilize this. But the number one question I get all the time is, I just don't understand the Bible. That's the number one question I get all the time. And sometimes it can be tricky. But I don't think you have to have a master's degree at college to study the Bible, because we have the Holy Spirit. And he says, you need not that another man teach you. Not saying you don't be taught, but he's saying you have the Holy Spirit. That's my second point here. We need to 
abiding in Christ is the Holy Spirit's indwelling. Remember he said you have an unction with the Holy One. He says you're anointed with the Holy One. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He's the best teacher you can have. But sadly, so many times we as Christians don't tap into the resource that we have in us. I don't want to even use the resource, the person living in us, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. We don't tap into that. My brother gave a good illustration in our prayer meeting this morning. He said this. He said he was waiting all weekend. He's going to get his master's degree now. And he was waiting all weekend. He really wanted to, he wanted to get his first lesson. He was just eager about it. And he wanted to figure out what's the book I'm supposed to read. I want to get started in this master's. And he was sitting at his desk and he goes and he's been waiting all weekend because there was something they forgot to send it to him. And he, and he clicked on the button and he found out what the first book was. And the first book is called The Spiritual Leader by Oswald Sanders. And it was sitting five feet from him. It was sitting right there. I've got a copy. My dad's got a copy. My brother's got a copy. There's three copies in our libraries. And one of them was five feet from him. And all weekend, he's been waiting and clicking and watching, and he had it right there the whole time. Do you know what a lot of Christians are? Their whole Christian life is, I just want to feel something. I just want to see enterprise. You have it. Christ in you. It's there. We just got to abide in Jesus Christ. Say, how do I abide? Keep short accounts of sin. Deal with sin. Don't let sin in your life. Get into the Word of God. Spend some time in prayer. Do the basic things that you hear us say all the time and actually do it and stay dependent upon God. When you abide in the vine, as that John 15 says, the vine, the, the branches are not going around saying, hey, come on now, come here. I'm going to... No, the branches just stay in the vine. Just stay in Christ. Abide in Him. So think about the Holy Spirit. If I were to go back over to John, I don't have time to. It tells us in John 16 and John 14 that the Spirit does several things. The Holy Spirit, who indwells us, who you have all the time. One of the benefits of being a New Testament Christian. The Holy Spirit's always with you. What does He do? Well, the Holy Spirit teaches you. It tells us in John 16 that He teaches you all things. So you have the Holy Spirit to teach you. That's why I do think it's important when you come to read your Bible, you're not going to understand it all. And that's fine. But I do think it's important to whisper a prayer saying, God, you tell me that the Holy Spirit will teach us all things and he lives inside of me. So help me today to understand something, to take something. I don't think God's in heaven saying, eh, you didn't say the right words. <laughs> nope. If you'd have pushed the right button or said the right, that's not how God works. God is not some master puzzle maker up there that you have to say the right words. Just talk to him. Say, God, I need something today. There's been some times when, I, when I've been wrestling with situations and I'm going to work and I'll say, God, I, I just, I didn't read this morning, and I, I, but I, I desperately need something today. I'm struggling. And my YouVersion app will pop up a verse and I'll read that verse and it's exactly what I need at that moment. I don't think God is up there saying, eh, you didn't give me 15 minutes this morning, so... I can't help you. No, God loves us. It's a relationship. And so uh, he teaches us. He guides us. The Spirit of God guides us through peace. And, uh, um, and, and so the Holy Spirit is going to be moving and working in our hearts. He's going to use the Word of God. And, and he's going to, there's sometimes when you just know, boy, I feel guilty. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. The Holy Spirit's convicting me. There's other times when I feel led. You know, I need to do this. And, and so the Spirit of God is in you. He lives inside of you. And that's what he's saying in these verses here that I've already read, so I'm not going back through and reading. But he used that word abide over and over again. He talked about the anointing that you've received. It abides in you. 
The Holy Spirit does, and, and that's a privilege. But then, I just so we have the abiding in God's Word, we abide in the Holy Spirit, and abiding in Christ, verse you know, 24. He talked about continuing in the Son and in the Father. Verse 28, he says, And now, little children, abide in Him. Actually do what we've been teaching you, he says, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. You ever had your house a mess and then someone comes over and all of a sudden you hear the knock on the door and you're looking you're like, uh-oh, there's laundry everywhere. There's, it's, a, it's, it's a mess. So you just, it's kind of like when your in-law's trailer burns up and they're going to come live with you and the spare room is when you're collecting everything. I mean, I'm just speaking from this week's experience in our life, all right? And so not for her in-laws, for me, my parents, and they're like, hey, we need a place to stay. They would, Dad would never say you need a place to stay. We said, you need to stay with us. And all of a sudden we're like, how are we going to get that room going? And it was already all right, but it's not livable. And, and God worked everything I was actually in awesome and she worked super hard and I worked kind of hard not a little bit but it's it's ready for him but you know what the the idea of that is this he says you want to live your life in such a way you're abiding that when Christ comes you're not ashamed now I don't think you're going to have time to sit around and be like oh I'm so ashamed because then that trumpet sounds it says in the fire the blinking eye you're going to be gone out of here but I do think at the judgment seat of Christ which we as Christians will stand at I don't want to be ashamed that I didn't do more for him, that I didn't abide in him. I, I don't want to stand before Jesus Christ, and I'm going to, i got to be done with this. I just I love the thought of abiding. I don't want to stand before Jesus Christ one day and be ashamed as he says, why were you taking, can I use the illustration, that blow dryer the whole time and just waving it in front of your head? And why were you not abiding in me? I picture that as him saying, why, Brad, were you living your whole life, the Christian life, teaching lessons and, and going to work and doing all this in your own strength? Why didn't you just abide in me? And that's where I think we can be ashamed, is when we stand before him at the judgment seat and we see how much that we did in our own strength instead of abiding in him when God says, I would have given you all that you needed and more. Let's pray.